Clancy Pasta presents Witcher, written by Sapphire Line 15. My cousin Annie was, throughout my childhood, a bully. She acted like a perfect angel around adults, but did a 180 as soon as their backs were turned. She stole other kids' toys, broke things and blamed others, made fun of others, particularly me, used blackmail to make other kids do what she wanted, and was just a little brat in general. I usually tried to just ignore her, but she took offense to this and just harassed me more. Luckily, I only had to put up with her once a year. My parents and I lived in Richmond, while Annie and her mom lived in LA. Every October, we would all get together to spend a week in a cabin, actually a two-story house with full heat and electricity, in a forest in Montana. Even if Annie hadn't been there, I still wouldn't have liked going. That forest was dark, deep, and had something off about it. But my parents and aunt liked going so much that, until I was nine, I had to go every fall. This is the story of the last trip my family ever took to that cabin. I first got the feeling that something wasn't right when I saw that the old farmer was sitting on the porch. The old farmer was the one we rented the cabin from every year, and he usually didn't show up until the last day of the trip to collect the renter's fee. Mom stayed in the car with me while Dad went to speak with him. I watched them as they talked. Dad looked unshaken, even a little amused. The old farmer, however, was dead serious. Looking back, I think he was scared. Dad was chuckling a little when he came back. I think that farmer is either getting old or loves a good ghost story. According to him, we need to cover all of the windows and turn out all of the lights before 10 tonight. Or else, the Witcher will come. He let out a fake maniacal laugh, followed by his real laugh. Mom laughed too. I smiled, but I was uneasy. I was still at the age when ghost stories seemed less fantastical and more factual. Before I could think any more on it, my aunt Tara and Annie pulled up. My mom got out and ran to hug her sister, while dad roped Annie and I into putting away suitcases and groceries. The rest of the evening was like the countless others we'd spent at that house. We ate a big dinner to celebrate being together, played two or three rounds of Go Fish, and then watched Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone again. During that time, Annie kicked me under the dinner table twice and blamed me for kicking her, stole three of my cards when I went for a drink and played it off as a joke, and made me get snacks for her during my favorite parts of the movie, asking sweetly out loud when the adults were in earshot, and threatening me with blackmail under her breath. When the movie ended, it was 9.55. Dad, despite laughing at the farmer's warning, got up and started closing the blinds. My aunt asked what he was doing, and he repeated the farmer's instructions, grinning all the while. Mom spoke up. If you don't believe him, then why are you covering the windows? He is still technically the landlord. Do you want to tell people you got evicted by a crazy farmer? Dad laughed again, and finished covering the windows. Then, per the old farmer's warning, turned out all of the lights. I trudged up to my room and considered myself lucky that Annie hadn't been as bad as usual this year. Before I climbed into bed, I peeked behind the blinds and looked at the forest. I never heard of anything called the Witcher, but there was no doubt in my mind that such a thing could exist in that forest. I shivered and climbed into bed. 
I was just about to fall asleep when a cold finger poked my nose. I gasped and shot up. It was Annie. She was grinning with a mischievous look in her eye. She pointed at the wall. She had written in my favorite purple glitter pen the word shit on the wall. We both knew that my parents would blame me for it and how much trouble I'd get in. I'll help you wash it off if you come hiking with me. I stared at her like she was insane. It was freezing outside, and she wasn't a nature girl. I knew that she was planning something bad, but I had no idea what. I did know, however, that there was no way I could get out of it. If I said no, and she'd take my favorite pen and write more things on the walls, all of which would be blamed on me. I felt sick, but I agreed. I threw my coat on over my pajamas and put on my dad's boots. Annie had wrapped herself in her aunt's coat and had loaded the pockets with granola bars, bottled water, a flashlight, and two jump ropes. We crept out the front door, with Annie shutting it so it wouldn't make a sound. Then, we set out. It had to have been at least 40 degrees out, maybe colder. I didn't know where we were going, but Annie seemed to know the way. Her flashlight cut through the dark like a knife, and she hummed a little as we walked. We took a break after a few minutes. In a rare moment of kindness, my cousin shared her granola bars and water with me. Despite everything that happened that night, I still like to think about that moment. I think it's the only good memory I have of my cousin. We walked for at least another hour. Finally, we came to a huge tree. It had to have had a circumference of five feet or more, and only heaven knows how tall it was. Annie walked up to it, placed her back onto the trunk, and looked up. Whoa, Sarah, come try this. Maybe it was the fact that she shared her snack, maybe it was because I knew she'd talk me into it, or maybe it was because I knew she'd try something like this and wanted to get it over with. So I went over to the tree, placed my back under the trunk, and looked up. All I could see were branches, and I was about to ask what was so interesting about it when she tied me to the tree. I'd completely forgotten about the jump ropes. She had planned to tie me up and leave me in the woods. She laughed at me as I struggled. I still don't know why she did it. Maybe in her mind this was the funniest joke in history. I started yelling for help even though I knew no one could hear me. She smiled at me for a minute, then started to walk back, her flashlight guiding her. You monster, I screamed at her, called her every name I could think of. When I wasn't doing that, I was struggling. I was cold, so cold, and the rope wouldn't budge. I was panicking. Was I going to die? Had Annie wanted me to die? Why did she do that? Finally, in frustration and fear, I let out a wail. It couldn't have been a minute later when I heard a twig snap, then another, and another. They had to be footsteps. For one moment, I thought that Annie was coming back, that it was all just a joke. But then I listened closer. Those steps were way too heavy to be Annie's, and how could anyone possibly take such wide steps? I started struggling again, hoping that the ropes were thin enough to snap if I pulled hard enough. But I stopped struggling. I stopped breathing when I saw it. 
I didn't see it clearly. There wasn't enough light, and it stood too closely to the trees. But it was tall, taller than any adult I'd ever met. It was black, blacker than the night. It stank like rotted meat. It had two glowing orange eyes. It was shaped like a rubber doll that had been stretched completely thin. I knew, without even thinking, that this was the Witcher. And it took another step toward me. I struggled against the rope, tears streaming down my face, screaming like a banshee. Its arm pinned me to the tree, stopped my struggling. The other hand took my chin and forced me to look at it. I looked into those bright orange eyes. And I was calm, just like that. I was still cold, and I was still afraid, but I was calm. I watched as its blade-like claw cut through the ropes, freeing me. It took me to its arms, lifting me into the air. Then the Witcher began to carry me through the woods. I was still scared. What was it going to do to me? Eat me? I tried to struggle. It looked at me, almost quizzically, then lifted one long, thin arm and pointed. I looked and saw Annie's flashlight. It was laying on the ground at an awkward angle, as if she dropped it, and it was still on. The Witcher is a monster, but real monsters only consume real monsters. His voice was utterly terrifying. I fainted. My mind simply couldn't take anymore. I woke up on the porch of the house. It might sound crazy, but at first I couldn't remember anything that happened after Annie and I stopped at the tree. I decided that Annie had somehow tricked me into falling asleep on the porch and went in. The warmth of the house washed over me and reminded me of how tired I was. I ditched my dad's boots and walked up to my room, where I was treated to the sight of the shit on the wall. Not wanting to deal with it then, I moved my dresser to cover it up and practically belly flopped onto the bed. I woke up to police sirens and my parents telling me that Annie was missing. The police searched the forest all morning. They found a gruesome sight. When they told me she was dead, the events of the night before came rushing back and I bawled. My parents comforted me, thinking I was crying because of Annie. After the funeral, people kept telling me that I'd taken my cousin's murder so well and that they knew that her murderer would be found. So many years later, and they are still looking for Annie's murderer. Why am I telling this story now? Because yesterday was the 20th anniversary of her murder. Somehow, a picture of the crime scene was leaked to the media. The body had, at that point, been removed. What the picture showed was the tree that Annie had tied me to that night. Written across the trunk, in Annie's blood, was a single word. Witcher. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. 
You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash Clancy Pasta store. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers.